Clear is a faster way into Capital One Arena. Download the free Clear app to beat the crowds on game day. Enter through the Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The high-flying hurricanes blow into town tomorrow night. A handful of Capitals missing from practice yesterday, and Joe Beninati joins us to discuss the state of the team. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, March 2nd. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7, presented by Clear, the faster way into Capital One Arena. The Capitals were missing several players at yesterday's practice for various reasons. Vitek Vanacek, Nicholas Backstrom, and Evgeny Kuznetsov all were granted maintenance days. The sense is that Vanacek's day isn't a big deal at all. Player coming back from injury, ended up playing two games in two days after his relief appearance against the Maple Leafs Monday, not so much. Backstrom and Kuznetsov mildly concerning, but likely not a big deal either with two days off before Carolina in Thursday. But Joe Snively also missed practice. He's out with an upper body injury. Then at the end of practice yesterday, Carl Haglund suffered what appeared to be a facial injury of some kind right at the end during a drill. A towel seemingly pressed to the area around his eyes. Total silence for a few moments from his teammates as he was helped off the ice. Peter Laviolette said after practice that a stick came up and hit him, but didn't have any other details. Keep an eye out later this morning for the latest at practice. Happy to have with us on the show this morning, your friend and mine from NBC Sports Washington, Joe Beninati with us to break down the state of the local hockey team. Good morning to you, sir, and thanks for getting up with us here on Caps this morning. Very kind of you to share some friendliness with me. I, I do appreciate it. It's been a little cold around the uh, old Caps parts lately. Need of all the friendliness we can find. Yes, at this point. let's warm it up a little bit, boys, especially obviously, those guys on the ice. Obviously not fun days, Joe, uh, for the Capitals of late. The losses at home. By the time that we get to tomorrow night in Carolina, 40 days without a win at Capital One Arena. It's 11 seasons for me here. I've never seen anything like it. You've been around much longer. Is there anything that compares? How surprised are you at recent events at 7th and F? And maybe some of the reasons for this dry spell that really dates back to the month of December. Just stunning. You know, it catches up to you. We're involved in it. You're, you're studying every day. You're doing homework. You're preparing for games. Sometimes now we've been back on the road traveling. All of a sudden, you, you write something down or you type something onto a sheet that says the Caps have lost 11 of 14 at home. Uh, yeah, and I start laughing and go, no, that's not Washington. The Caps have lost six straight in a row at home. No, come on. These, these are lies. Big, bold-faced lies, but they're not. It's, it's accurate, and we haven't seen anything like it since uh, 2007, which is a way far long ago time and place, and We've been spoiled. We've been so fortunate and so blessed for, what, 14 seasons, I guess, to be in the postseason, 13 of 14, and to be contending for so long and to have Capital One Arena be a place that opponents feared to come to town because Washington was likely to kick your pants, take the two points, and send you down the road. All of a sudden, nobody's afraid to come into that building, and it's stunning to me. I just don't get it. Can I put my finger on reasons why? Nothing specific to home as opposed to road. The Caps have been mistake prone for two months. It's eating at all of us because we see it happen. And 
there are days where the execution is off. There are days when the energy level is low. There are days when the goalies are having issues stopping pucks. There are days when the special teams can't get out of their own way. On and on and on. And and those mistakes, they're being stopped in one day, opened up the next, plugged the next day. They start to trickle back into the game the next. It's got to be driving the players and the coaches crazy. But for whatever reason, if they fall behind in games at home lately, you're sitting there going, hmm, I don't know if they're going to rally. And, and then you, you think about the recent Toronto game where they did show you they could rally against a very strong team. Although I know Toronto is not the same Toronto squad that was in November, December, kicking everybody's butt. But still, you rallied against a really good team and, and just made one coverage mistake again at the wrong time. Boom. The losing skid continues. It's got to stop. It's got to stop somewhere. But what we know, John, when you look at the next couple of months, we still have two full months, 27 games to go. The schedule is not easy, and you need to get right in a hurry. The Toronto loss to me seemed especially angst-inducing because, by (laughs) and large, they played pretty well. The penalty kill, I thought, was maybe as good as we've seen it all year. If you've got the number one power play on the other side in Toronto, you get them four straight times, you don't give up a shot in doing it, and you score a shorthanded goal, the special teams have been frustrating. But, boy, they weren't frustrating against Toronto. They won the special teams battle there. While I'm packing up my bag to leave the TV booth after the Toronto game, I can hear Ben Raby in the next booth offering all the praise in the world, and that was justified to the special teams. And we've had, like I mentioned to you, we've had days where special teams have been looking great and where they've been foul. But they were. They were just fine. They were very, very good against Toronto. In every way, shape, or form, those are the kinds of games you usually win when your special teams perform like that. And to have that one wriggle off the hook hurt, especially late, and especially after you rallied against a very good team to get two to tie it. Now, there's got to be some issues with that number one rated power play unit. And I realize they haven't now scored a power play goal in, in six games. So they're having some issues. But boy, it's fun to watch Toronto move the puck. And when you have shooters and playmakers like Matthews and Marner, and when you can add in Nylander, when you can add in Riley, when you have Tavares, when you could see why that team can put up goals if you take penalties. All of us yesterday said, please, God, don't take any penalties against the Leafs. And yet still they did and they should have got away with it, and they didn't. Tom Wilson, shorthanded goal. Tom Wilson, power play goal. And now the team with PPGs in eight of their last 11, five of the last six. I kind of feel like between the key personnel starting to return, TJ Oshie, I'm looking at you, at the power play goal in Philadelphia. I feel like the power play goal has turned the corner. Made the comment to Ben on the show about it yesterday. I feel like after all the pain that went on for what seemed like weeks and weeks and weeks without a lot of results, a man up, I feel like they've turned the corner. What do you think? Playing better. Numbers are showing better. Trends are climbing in the right direction. I think those are all good signs. Very good signs. People are still going to have an issue who follow the Caps closely. They're going to have an issue with a failed power play opportunity at a big moment in the game. Yeah, you're getting your power play goals, but are you getting them at the big moment in the game that's going to help you win the game? And again, I know we're starting to split hairs and drill down on on a sore tooth, but that power play unit is getting better. We know it has the talent to do so. They are, I think, fighting against some stubbornness 
They've been dyed in the wool about how they performed over the last five, six years and how well they've done it. So I think some of those guys in the ice are hard-headed at times to change patterns or to move around, to create motion, maybe to adjust format or, or adjust the, the alignment a little bit. But you're seeing it happen and you're seeing it pay some dividends. So as many times as that red light can come on, keep it up, keep it going, because you know you're going to need a powerful power play to perform to the level that you want. We're seeing signs of improvement. I think it's great. I wanted to see it continue, and I want to see the power play go out there and win a game for you. You know, go out there and show me that, boom, show me that old Washington Capitals three for four on the power play against a great team. Do it against Carolina. Speaking of great teams who have unbelievable penalty killers, go ahead, puncture them for three power play goals. Really build your confidence. I'd love to see it. I know you love talking goaltending. Vitek Vanacek comes on in relief in the Toronto game. Only gives up the one goal, but I thought for a guy that didn't know that he was going to see action in that game, for a guy that played in Hershey the day before, so now it is two games and two nights, and hadn't played at the NHL level in a month, I thought he was terrific. I thought it was encouraging, and I got to believe he's going to get the start against Carolina. No doubt in my mind, and the thing that Peter Laviolette, Scott Murray, the entire Caps coaching staff, all the players, what you want from goaltending? Stability. Give me a chance. Be stable in there. And I think we're seeing that more and more. We were seeing it from VTech before he got injured in the Pittsburgh game. And we saw it in a rush job against Toronto, you know, where it was Sammy doesn't have it. Get in there. Or let's see that if we pull Sammy, do we do we shock the team's system? That's up to Coach Laviolette to make that decision when he pulls a netminder. But he made that choice against the Maple Leafs. And all of a sudden, VTech came in there and you felt stable. You felt grounded. I've said this from the outset of the season. I firmly believe the coaches have more faith in VTech. Ilya has an ability and a battle level and the the chance to play the game so reflexively that he can take your breath away at times. He can also be out of control and put you in hot water when obviously he doesn't want to do that. But there are things and elements about his game technically, stylistically that are getting him into trouble. And he needs to smooth those out. And I'm sure he's working to smooth them out, but we haven't seen enough of it. It's just too erratic. It's inconsistent. Please give me stability. And if that's VTech, then we're going to see VTech ride it for as long as he can hold on to that job. Yeah, pretty good chance. Not only Carolina, but as Ben said yesterday, maybe a few in a row here if things continue to go pretty well. You mentioned it before, Carolina in tomorrow. Top team in the East. They've got 78 points. Only the Colorado Avalanche with more. They're fast, fifth-best power play in the league coming in, and number one on the PK. This isn't exactly the ideal matchup you want when you're trying to break a six-game losing streak at home, is it? No, no, and I think they have upwards of the most road wins of any team in the league. They're not afraid, and they are the embodiment of their head coach who who puffs his chest out, who sticks his jaw out and says, we're going to be there. We're going to battle, and we are not going to stop. And Rod Brindamore's team's, have been pretty good. They've been really good this year. And I thought from the outset, they had the look of a team that might represent the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup final. That's a long ways from now. There are teams in Florida that may have a statement about that. Uh, There are a number of teams that may have an issue before we get to seeing who's who as far as the Eastern Conference champ is concerned. But John, there's something about Carolina that stands out to me. And we won't get to televise this game on the local side from Capital One. So I'll be in attendance and I'll be watching. And one of the things that I will watch for 
that all of our game analysts talk about, whether it be Alan May, Craig Lachlan, Brent Johnson, all of them talk about what happens when a team forechecks and does so aggressively, ambitiously, and effectively. And they were all saying Toronto's forecheck was strong and stout in the game that we saw against the Maple Leafs. Carolina's better. Carolina's is more ferocious. And that is something that you, as a hockey fan, I want to see, and I want to see how the Capitals deal with it because there is mobility on that Caps blue line. The Washington defense is quicker, faster than it has been in recent years. And if they pass the puck well, you can trap aggressive four checks, and all of a sudden you can get odd man rushes and offensive chances. But you got to do it wisely, and you have to execute extremely well against Carolina because they are going to feed and live off of your turnovers. They are going to hit. They're going to be aggressive. And it's just what they do. It's their MO and it has served them extremely well. And that's something that I'm going to watch for from the very, very beginning. They are a really, really good team. They have lots of talent. They have scoring depth. Frederick Anderson. The question was, what's Freddie going to be like in goal? I think he's answered those questions. Their defense is highly, highly underrated, I think. And I'm just, when they are fully healthy, when Caroline is fully together, I think they're one of the best teams in the league. One for you as we close out here, February 15th in Nashville, you and Craig got back on the road. And with the job that you guys do, maybe if you're just sitting down in front of the television, you might not have even known, were it not for your cutaways on the desk, that you guys have been doing this for Northwest Washington for two years. We've gotten out a little. We've done mostly the same thing, too, on the radio side. But for you to finally, a month short of two years in D.C. doing games, what was it like for you to get to Nashville, to go to Philadelphia, to start to get back to what we do around here? And that's being able to see games and not off the monitor. It's been trying for so many people for so many different reasons the last couple of years. But for us specifically, that was the biggest challenge. Yeah, John, it was refreshing. I think that's the word I keep coming back to. It was nice to be there. It was refreshing to be there. And it would have had, I think, a greater impact had we been doing all of the games from the studio. Now, we get spoiled by going to Capital One Arena. You're there for that home event. So you are seeing a hockey game. You're seeing a sporting event. You're calling it as normal with the air quotes. Then you're going to the studio, and I greatly appreciate what uh, our managers, what our engineers, what our techs have done to allow us to do the games, hopefully as well as we've done them, off of TV screens from NBC Sports Washington. A lot of people are putting in a lot of effort to help those games come off as well as they have, and I congratulate all of them. I'm not complaining, but what I love to do is call an event from the site. I like to feel the rush of the crowd. I like to be able to see the entire surface area of the sporting event and be able to comment on what I can see that's just not on the puck, but as well as off of it, behind the play. It is truly what we do. It's not not because you want to have a fantastic time and stay out till sunrise in Los Angeles that you want to be there. You want to be there to do your job well. You want to be there to be able to see everything. And sure, I I think and I pray that we've been doing a good job calling it from the monitor. You and I have both had that experience and we're both continuing to have that experience. It's not like it's completely shelved yet. But when you get the chance to be at the rink, 
when you get the chance to be around the basketball court or close to the football field or lacrosse field, you just, as an announcer, you know this. You live and breathe this with me. You get that pump. You feel better. You feel strong. You feel like this is where I belong. Turn the red light on and let's go. And that's what it was to go to Nashville, to go to Philadelphia, to actually be in in that rink. You were concerned at one level. There's always part of me in the back of my mind that's like, okay, are we all good? Is the coast clear? And I don't know what to have, what kind of an answer to have about that. But the closer we get to that normalcy, I feel better about it. And I feel better about my job. And I love being with Craig and with Al and Alan and all the guys when we have the chance to be at the rink in D.C. The more we get it away from D.C., the better. Well, fans are going to miss you on the TV call tomorrow night, ESPN Plus on that, unfortunately. But I'll be back at it on the weekend with a Seattle Kraken coming to town. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time this morning here to chat with us. And I know fans always appreciate what you have to say. My pleasure, John. We get the Hulu hoop. We get Hulu hooped (laughs) against Carolina. That's the way it goes. He's your friend and mine, Joe B., giving us the lowdown here on Caps this morning. It's the Caps and the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow at 7. Network air on 106.7 The Fan and Caps Radio 24-7 is at 6.45. The only TV tomorrow is streaming ESPN Plus and Hulu. Your only local call of the game tomorrow is right here with us on Caps Radio 24-7. Have a great Wednesday, everyone. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com. Or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.